This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another rendition of Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron. Super stoked to be here again. And this, this episode is one that I've, I know me and the production team have like dog-eared, dovetailed. We're like, we want to make sure we get ready for this conversation. So I'm super excited to introduce just a, another brilliant marketing leader who's going to have a lot to say about a really interesting industry. And so we've got on the show today, Nick Wilkoff. Nick is the chief marketing officer for L.L. Bean. Now, I did some background research on, on Nick, and you can see if you go to his LinkedIn profile, like this is a human being who, you know, spent some time at Forrester Research, spent before that Applied Geographics, which we'll, we'll get into that. But he essentially joined L.L. Bean almost 19 years ago, just over 18 years ago, joined L.L. Bean and has held a bunch of roles that I kind of see as this really interesting, like, path to where he is now, which is now at the top of marketing, all things marketing for L.L. Bean. So Nick, thanks for being here. We are super excited. And we know this is your first podcast. So we're we're just super excited. Thanks for being on Marketing Trends. And we're excited to get into it. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Indeed. So look, you, you've been a marketer and a marketing leader for, for, for many years. You are literally the type of marketing leader like we talk about internally that's like they don't always come out to to tell their story. They don't always come out from behind the curtain or underneath the hood, if you will, to share what's going on in their industry or the interesting lessons they're learning. It just doesn't always happen. You have been behind the scenes uh, creating things and making things happen for almost 20 years at LLB. And now you're here, which I just love because you have so much perspective. So before we get too far, and I know there may be just a couple of people out there, would you please just tell the world, like, what is LLB and describe your role there as CMO? Yeah, sure. Uh, so LLB is a 111-year-old um, outdoor specialty brand based in Freeport, Maine. To give you a sense of what we sell, our assortment spans apparel, outerwear, footwear, outdoor gear, uh, home goods, travel. So we have a fairly broad assortment. Until very recently, we've been exclusively a direct-to-consumer brand, um, selling only through our own channels. I say until very recently, we can get into this later, but you know we have more recently started to test into wholesale. But e-commerce is our largest channel. We also have more than 50 stores across the country. Um, and we have an international presence as well. So we operate uh, about 25 stores in Japan. We've been there since the mid-90s um, and also now have opened up uh, 13 stores north of the border in Canada uh, through a partner and also operate our own .ca site. In terms of my role and, and how we think about uh, marketing here at L.L. Bean, first and foremost, um, I have oversight in terms of optimizing our marketing investments, and that spans performance as well as brand marketing. Certainly also the insights and analytics that help to support those programs and the decisions we're making. Also, our content strategy and creative execution. So we actually do all of our creative in-house or the vast majority of in-house. So that's a big part of the role. We also do brand engagement and external communications. So think partnerships, experiential marketing, 
PR, social, um, and the marketing is supporting across channels. Um, but from a channel ownership standpoint, I also have accountability within our group for direct channel performance and specifically the website. So thinking about the customer experience, uh, the sorts of capabilities we want to bring through in our site and really focus on driving conversion. Wow. So a lot, lot of responsibility. I, I want to go back to, you know, early days. Look, I mean, you, you were at Forrester for almost five years, four years and some change. You were an analyst there. Was that a like a design stepping stone, like from there to LL Bean for you? Like what was the, what was that? Yeah. That intersection of like, okay, you're looking for something, there's something new and you joined LL Bean back in 2004. Uh, was there a connection with Forrester there? How did you get into the world that you're in now? Yeah, the, you know, I definitely, you know, going back to the, the beginning of my career, I definitely didn't kind of jump into the professional world with a, a plan to be a marketer. But, you know, as I started to understand my interest and recognize that there's a lot of opportunity there and something that I've, I've really enjoyed learning a lot about and continuing to grow. My connection from going from Forrester to here at Alabine, it really actually connects more to um, a value that's really important to me, which is a, a strong sense of place and specifically to the state of Maine. So I'm born and raised here in Maine. I actually grew up um, just 10 minutes down the road from our headquarters and our flagship store. You know, I've always had a very close connection to the brand, but it was, you know, the interest in coming back to Maine, raising um, our family here in the state. L.L. Bean was definitely on the top of my list of places I wanted to be. And I think some of the opportunities and things that I saw uh, with the company, one is just the, you know, the history, the heritage of, of the company and the brand and what the brand stands for and that there's, you know, a, a, a lot of awareness and love that's connected to the brand. And so the opportunity to be a part of that was exciting. You know, one of the things that also attracted me as I initially got in and still very much so today, and one of the things that's kept me here for, for 18 years are the people. You know, the people uh, here have a lot of shared values around a passion for the brand, but also a passion for the outdoors and definitely comes through in the culture. And then I'd say that, you know, the final thing is just the scale of the operation. You know, we're um, inching our way up to being close to a, a $2 billion brand. And, you know, with that, comes, you know, a lot of great opportunities for growth and just challenges and, you know, strategic business things to be thinking about um, and recognizing that that, you know, is really a great opportunity here in the state. The past few years, you know, the, the, specifically the outdoor apparel market, right, has been booming. I mean, you know that more than, than, than any of us. And it seems like it's poised to grow even more. And I'm curious, just your perspective on like, why, why the boom? Why is it still growing? There seems to be a lot of a lot more D2C brands and there seems to be a lot more categories like an existing kind of activewear brands. But what do you attribute like this kind of continued growth, like this booming growth? I firmly believe LL Bean will hit that 2 billion and more. Um, but what do you attribute that to? The outdoor space has continued to grow and become a fairly crowded market. Um, and that was happening before the pandemic. But I think one of the things that's continued to fuel that growth is definitely a renewed interest in the outdoors that came through at the beginning of the pandemic and people realizing it was a great place to kind of get out and reconnect with nature and and um, enjoy the experiences that come with being outside. And so it's a natural place for brands to gravit gravitate to. And you know, with that comes all of the, the things that people need to really support that outdoor lifestyle. So it's a it's a really true statement around what's going on in the outdoor market. And we we are seeing, you know, kind of post pandemic, there's still that that interest in the outdoors is remaining strong, uh, which we're happy about and something that we're, you know, really excited to continue to go after. So you've had, look, I mean, you've had this really impressive 18 plus, you know, 
career at the company so far. The L.L. Bean brand to me has kind of stayed remarkably consistent over the years, even even when the company moved to this really kind of more complex omni-channel strategy a few years ago, like the messaging and the outreach remained true to the brand, even, you know, after a lot of years. So from your perspective, you know, after almost 20 years at the brand, like what has stayed consistent and then what has had to evolve? Yeah, the, you know, I think one of the things that has allowed us to remain consistent is our focus on authenticity and you know not trying to be something we are not um, and really leaning into our credibility in the outdoor space and the fact that we've been competing in it for over 100 years. I think also when looking back at when we saw some of our largest growth back in you know the mid 80s one of the things that drove that was the preppy boom and with that uh, casual apparel became a pretty big thing and it was something that we saw an opportunity for within the brand and i think a lot of credit to the folks running the company at the time and specifically leon gorman who was ll's grandson and was the um, president and ceo at the time and really is credited with bringing the, the company into you know the scale that we're at and it could have been very easy to just to continue to chase after casual apparel and take that as far as it could go. And I think one of the things that's allowed us to be consistent is making sure that the outdoors is still always central to what we're about. That remains today. So if we actually think about our uh, how we think about our, our merchandising strategy, we think about it across what we call a balanced and relevant arc. And the arc is active rugged and casual and wanting to make sure that we've got representation of our merchandise across each of those. Um, again, with a focus on making sure the outdoors is always always central to it. So that's that's a key thing that's allowed us to, I think, have a, a some consistency along with it, just our authenticity in the space. And then to your point, I mean, the world is continuing to evolve and we've evolved with it over our, our history. I think the path we've taken there is just making sure we're continuing to meet the consumer where they are. And, um, you know, going back to the idea of the fact that we came up as a catalog marketer, and that's actually where we started when LL first marketed the very first hunting shoe, which is now our bean boot. Um, he did it by sending a three-page pamphlet um, out to people who had hunting and fishing licenses in Maine. And that's like direct marketing to begin with, but certainly evolving towards digital when digital came on board. And that was a very natural transition for us from a marketing uh, standpoint, and the various marketing channels that come along with it. Also, you know, where people are shopping. So we were a mail order company, then phone order. Um, when e-commerce came along in the mid-90s, it was a natural uh, transition for us because of how we were set up as a business. We had the fulfillment model, for example, in place, the customer service model in place. But uh, taking that further and opening stores um, outside of Maine, which we started doing in the very late 90s, um, and now have, as I mentioned, more than 50 stores. Uh, and then with that, with those multiple channels, the omni-channel behavior that exists, making sure that we're supporting that, the types of capabilities that we offer. Again, that sense of wanting to be where the consumer is, recognizing that we might need to move outside of our own channels. And that's led to our, us testing into wholesale and starting to sell our products with some other retailers. Yeah, I was curious about kind of some of the new strategies you mentioned, you know, kind of ex expanding in, into new channels, right? And testing some of that stuff. How's that going? What are you learning um, in that world now, kind of looking at other channels outside of what you normally have done? Yeah, it's going great. We've gone into it with a real learning mentality. We wanted to see how it would work and how to approach it and being careful, beginning with, you know, just the partners that we're aligning with and the retailers that we're going to market with. So, um, you know, our first partners have been Nordstrom, Zappos, Shields, which is a Midwestern outdoor retailer, 
we did some back to school stuff with Staples as well. And, you know, they're each different. So we're able to kind of get learnings with what's it like to work with retailers in these different sorts of spaces and how do we need to evolve our business overall? How do we need to show up as a brand? How does our, how do we need to make sure our product product shines in those places? Organizationally, how do we need to think about it? So, um, so far, we're really pleased with how things are progressing and it's an area we're going to continue to to grow. I love that. A lot of brands, you know, we have on the show talk about, you know, how they're doubling down with customer experience, right? And you, you have certainly seen all the behavior change when it comes to this industry that you serve. And you've seen a lot of change, the tech, you know, the way the world's changed, the the way, you know, users interact with sites and the behaviors of, of how we buy things. And um, so knowing that, knowing that you've been witness to all of those things, what are you what are you seeing as like most important now for LL Bean in terms of touch points like with with customers? Like when customers are engaging with LL Bean now, what are these like really prominent differentiators, right? Where you're like, because I mean, every touch point matters. We know that if if it's a, you know, an app or an ad or a blog post or a picture or a phone call, like every time I interact with the brand, it's got to matter. It's got to make sense. Where are you seeing that kind of evolve and change in the world, in the space that you're in? Like, where are you seeing these most important things along the customer journey, maybe now that they weren't, you know, some years back? You know, I think some of them are probably um, some of the obvious places that a lot of brands and retailers have been focusing, mobile being one of them. And so we've, uh, as we've been thinking about our customer experience, have invested a lot in making sure that our customer experience is truly optimized for mobile and certainly seeing the vast majority of our traffic um, now coming in through that channel. And in addition to that, um, it's where people are finding us, but it's also where they're consuming their marketing as well. So the marketing channels that we're focused on developing and growing, making sure that they're suited for mobile uh, plays into our social strategy, even our performance strategy and areas like paid search and paid social. So again, it's that get, get set back to that point of connecting with people uh, and meeting them where they are and where they're doing their consumption of brands and their shopping. Mm. Is there Are there any experimental things or new things on the horizon around how your customers interact with products themselves, like just in, in with a tech or you know, we've had some some other brands that come on and have, you know, have spoken to this at some level of like how people are beginning to interact with their products in new ways. And I'm curious if you're seeing any of that start to come up to the surface now with how people are, once they get the product, what are they doing anything different with how they're using mobile or using, you know, artificial intelligence or kind of where we're headed there? Are you seeing anything in the spaces that you're Certainly seeing it. It's not where we've, um, you know, we haven't invested in that yet. Um, we're, you know, we're watching it really closely, but we haven't added new features or capabilities or, or an app focused specifically on connecting the product in a digital world to how they're consuming it in the physical world. Um, mm. But I think that that space is going to continue to grow pretty rapidly. We do see just a big need around making sure that the experience with the product in a digital world is as compelling as possible as it relates to consuming it in the store. So product imagery, as an example, is something that we see is actually a high priority for us um, in the development, further development of our customer experience online um, and making sure that, you know, those components of the product that they can touch and feel within a store are trying to come to life um, through the creative assets that we have within our site as well, as well as all the, the connected information to it. And so that they have, 
and, and all the details about what it is that they're buying, why they should buy it, how to choose. You know, a lot of buying guides across different categories that we sell in. Size and fit is also a really important topic. So we've invested a lot in size and fit information on our website. Um, so it not as far as artificial intelligence and taking it in that direction, but uh, continuing to evolve to making sure that digital shopping is, is seamless and frictionless for everyone. How do you view like, you know, you're, you're, you're in a category and a few, you know, you're in a few categories that there are, you know, a lot of legacy brands in. there's a lot of new entrants into these, but like you said, some of these, some of these, you know, categories you're in are really busy, really noisy. And I'm really curious about your answer here. Cause you've been there almost 20 years. How much time do you now, having been in the industry and have evolved and matured and grown as a leader, but as being a part of this industry that's also grown and evolved, you know, also looking around at some of these other big brands that we all know, Patagonia and, you know, Land's End, et cetera, et cetera. How much time do you look at them? Do you interact with, you know, with what they're doing? Do you pay attention much to what's going on there? Because you've been in the seat so long, I could see how there could be a lot of value there for you. It could also... I see you're really devoted to LL Bean too. So how do you view that now almost 20 years at the brand? Like, cause you could look all over and see all kinds of clues and the interesting things that could be helpful and could also maybe just be too much noise. Yeah, no, I know. I, I definitely, um, you know, shop around and see what the, the competitive set is up to. I mean, I have a lot of respect for, for what they're doing. I think we all learn from each other. And the reality is, is when the consumer is out shopping, they're, most likely shopping across a range of brands and and you know especially as we're moving in more into wholesale we're showing up right next to those brands uh you know on the rack and then in a digital world people are doing a search for outerwear or a backpack whatever it might be and we're going to show up in a search result alongside them as well so understanding how they're representing their brands how they're bringing their products to life the brand stories that they're telling uh, are, are definitely things that that we watch and keep an eye on i think you know, in terms of points of differentiation for us, we certainly our heritage and history and the credibility and we have in the space um, is something that has been important to us for a long time. It's been our, you know, our great customer service, our product quality, uh, being a, a brand that people can trust. Those are the things that we've always seen pop when we're doing, you know, research around what what makes us stick out relative to the competitive set. But back to our earlier discussion, we it's becoming an increasingly crowded space, specifically in the outdoor market. And we can't just hang on to those as our, our, our only points of differentiation. They're still really important to us, but we need to be able to show up and say, you know, what do we represent and stand for in the in the outdoor lifestyle market? And we actually engaged in a fairly significant brand project uh, around 2016, 2017, which we've done before. It, you know, even in my time going back to 2004, I think we were initiating a brand project at the same time. What we really wanted to make sure is to tease out what are those really salient points of differentiation, and let's actually take action on it. Let's let's not just create a brand study that ends up on a shelf. Let's figure out how we how we bring it to life through an actual plan. And we've been doing that, um, you know, really since 2017, and they're continuing to really focus on, you know, those points of differentiation with our brand. What we honed in on is this connection of the outdoors and people, and specifically um, being able to highlight the shared joy that people get spending time outside together. And so, rather than being making the outdoors more of an exclusive sort of thing, making it as inclusive as possible. So you, so you actually don't have to be that person who's scaling or summoning a, you know, a snowy peak um, 
and harsh conditions, you know, on your own, you can you can experience the benefits of being outside by just simply stepping outside your door. And so that that's a you know one of the ways that we've really been going to market in terms of our connection to the outdoors and what our purpose is about. And we also identified a target customer we call the the outdoor family enthusiast, which is a fairly large group of people um, mm. who are simply interested in, and enjoy spending outside, uh, spending time outside together. Is that a outdoor family enthusiast? That's like a persona that you've kind of you've got created for 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 LL Bean. Yeah, and you know, again, it's a target mindset than specifically okay. a target customer. So we do a lot of okay. other additional segmentation and targeting of different types of customers based on whether they're new or existing and their relative sense of loyalty, et cetera. But it's a mindset that can actually go across all of those segmentations. One of LL Bean's unique value props is, is how, kind of how it goes beyond the usual like trappings of traditional outdoor gear retailers to make experiencing the outdoors uh, more inclusive, like you said. In other words, it's sportswear for everybody, right? Not just camps, campers. So when when planning a new campaign or, or or a product feature like that, is there ever a concern about introducing items that might seem off-brand to lifelong customers? It's always a risk when you're trying to acquire new customers and and retain your existing. You know, I think it's it's the it's the dilemma that all all brands face. You know, how far can you go? And especially with our with the loyalty of our existing customers and our history, it's something that's we keep in mind. But I think there are times you also need to take some chances. And so when we're considering that, if, if we feel like if we stay connected to our purpose, we stay connected to the outdoors, it's going to be a safe place. And um, it's still okay to take take a few leaps um, to see if we can get in front of some new consumers who may have not, we may have not been in the brand consideration before. You know, one example is, we, you know, we did a collaboration with um, the designer, Todd Snyder. And, um, you know, definitely not designed to be targeted at our existing customer. We really wanted to see if we could get in front of some new faces. Um, at the same time, the product was that was designed was, you know, connected to our heritage. Uh, it actually, a lot of the inspiration came out of visiting our archives and seeing products that had been in our line before, and then bringing them to life with, you know, a little bit more fashion and edge. And, and that was something that created some great buzz for us in the market. Uh, and again, attracted some new customers for us um, without alienating you know, our very loyal existing customers. On that note, I mean, LL Bean, you know, has some raving fans. I know that's I mean, when I'm sort of mentioning, I was having LL Bean on the show. I mean, countless friends and family were like made sure and let me know how much they love the brand and LL Bean you know, proudly wears its main roots in everything it does, right? Even even if the brand is internationally loved, right? As far as way as Japan, um, is there is there difficulty in trying to honor your local roots while still expanding the brand across these borders and different cultures? We're definitely proud of our main roots. Um, as I mentioned, it's where the company was founded. Is where we're still based. You know, we're proud that all of our products are designed um, and developed here in Maine. We still, two of our most iconic products are our bean boots and our boat and tote bags are still manufactured here in Maine. And so in some ways, LL Bean and Maine are synonymous. Maine is also very synonymous with the outdoors. So our connection to it helps to drive that credibility in the outdoors. And um, we also recognize as we're pushing to be more national, pushing to be more global, the further we get away from our home state, the relevance and awareness about what Maine is about 
may not be as strong. So I think there's a time in the time and a place when it's relevant in uh, you know the, our brand story and what we're talking about, and kind of taking that to you know to our, our furthest extreme geographically in the business we have in Japan. You know, one of the products that's been really iconic over the years there and been a top seller is our boat and tote bags. And you know, to say they are made in Maine, we quickly found out has less relevance to the Japanese consumer um, than simply being you know American heritage brand, which is really um, very attractive to the Japanese consumer. So again, I think there's a, a good time and place. I think we tap into it in the right ways, but uh, there's some times where it may not have the same level of relevance. I know you probably have a lot of examples of you know of maybe unexpected wins and surprises, but maybe just reflecting in the past, you know, two or three years since there's been so much change in the world, what have been uh, maybe one or two of the kind of company's biggest unexpected wins? Whether it was a product or a promotion or some campaign, where the success surprised you a bit? Yeah, one campaign. Last year, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it's an area we've been leaning into a little bit more, and we feel like connects really well to our purpose and the idea of, you know, what the power of being outdoors can do to people just in their mental and physical well-being. And so we decided to connect into that as a campaign, and um, and we did that through a partnership with Mental Health America, um, and with that, you know, developed some great content. We were you know, we've been helping them um, define their programming around the role of the outdoors in in mental health. And so we, you know, developed some content connected to it. We also developed the social strategy. So we we went off the grid. We committed to being dark on social for the month of May and encourage others to do so and, and instead spend time outside. Um, and so that is something that we saw a lot of interest in and got a, a huge amount of attention for through earned media that was a little bit unexpected. And, um, you know, again, I think highlights the power of, you know, staying connected to our purpose and bringing that to life through different ways. And then one other example, which came a little bit more to us is a trend this past summer around the ironic boat and tote. And this was set up through a, uh, started through an influencer, Gracie Weiner. She did it unbeknownst to us, kind of stood up um, some TikTok and Instagram campaigns around cataloging pictures of, you know, funny and witty sayings that people had monogrammed onto their boat and tote bags and wow. uh, became a, a huge, um, we saw a huge uptick in our sales of boat and totes and, and people were uh, looking to monogram these sayings on for themselves. Um, it got quite a bit of press and, you know, eventually we we started to connect in with Gracie in a natural way. We didn't want to force it. You know, she uh, had kind of created this on her own, but we ended up uh, developing a couple great co-marketing campaigns with her that were really successful. So that's that's an example of something we didn't design that to happen. It just happened, and there there's some things you can't predict are gonna to go that way, and it's really about how do you capitalize on them and and uh, connect into them in an authentic way. One theme that you know we hear we hear a lot about, you know, and certainly you know you being in in the retail space, I'm sure you you're hearing it maybe more than any of us is just the you know economic uncertainty that we're in and heading towards, as a lot of brands put it, a lot of brands are, you know, they talk about a lot of scenario planning and kind of how how they're thinking about doing more with less at the next you know maybe year or two, depending on what you know side of the opinions people like to stand on, but 
what's your perspective there? Because look, you've also, look, you've been, again, a part of a, a business and a brand for almost 20 years. You've been through highs and lows and swings. You know, you've been through economic, you know, downturns and upturns and bear and bull markets and all the things. So do you kind of have pause and poise looking into 2023 because of what you've been through? Or do you feel like where we're at and kind of where we're headed even is maybe surprising to you of like, wow, really having to, to double down and think about things a lot different these days because of, again, the way the world is. What's your kind of take there? Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the day for me sometimes. I think um, <laughs> you're right. I mean, certainly seeing the ups and downs of you know, macroeconomic trends um, in the 18 years that I've been here. And, you know, I think also approach things of never getting too high in the highs or getting too low in the lows and focusing on the things that we can control and recognizing there's some things that are out of our control as well. You know, it's something we're watching really carefully. Obviously, so our fiscal year ends at the end of February. We're in uh, January right now, um, so we're putting the the details on finalizing what our our outlook for 2023 looks like. And you know, this year we we, we just came off of two of our you know two of our most profitable years as a company, and coming into 2022. You know, we set high expectations for ourselves still being high performing, especially in around profitability and productivity. And, you know, we, we've, I think, been pleased with our performance this year for sure. Also recognizing that the consumer has a lot of pressure on them with inflation and just the direction of the economy. So I think we're considering that as we go into 2023, but we feel like a lot of the skills and practices that we put in place, you know, really actually leading up to the pandemic and then how we manage through the pandemic. You know, to me, gives us a lot of confidence in terms of our ability to navigate the ups and the downs. Obviously, the longevity of our company is something that also gives me confidence uh, way beyond my my 18 years of the company. The company's been through a lot more. I think also the fact that we've got diversity in terms of our uh, product line, and I, you know, when you think about kind of the breadth of our assortment, diversity in our sales channels. So there, there are things in a, that are going to go up and down, maybe in our portfolio of where we're selling and what we're selling. Uh, but that gives us some confidence as well. On the executive leadership team, are there other folks like you that have been there a, a long time? Like, do you, do you kind of share that with other people on the on the ELT that have been there as as long as you or longer? Yeah, we have. Overall, we've got pretty impressive tenure across the company and even the folks across my team. You know, people, I think, enjoy working here and and it's not uncommon for people to stay for quite a while. And across our executive team, you know, I'm kind of in the, in the middle of kind of where people are in terms of their tenure at the, okay. at the company. And, you know, one of the wow. most, uh, probably the newest person on our executive team is our, is our CEO, Steve Smith, who's been here seven years. Um, wow. <laughs> and so it's, uh, you know, people have had all different experiences in terms of the roles that they've had here and kind of what they've mm -hmm. navigated through. Uh, but we're able to kind of lean on that experience through through uh, things that come our way. So what do you think it's going to take now? You know, again, you know, the, the, the relationship, I think, between the, the, the CMO and the executive leadership team. Now, granted, I'm biased because I'm, I'm in that world all the time, but I, I really view that role as the one of the most if not the most interesting role on the ELT is the CMO because you've got to be able to build trust and rapport with you know every other unit every other leader and and kind of new and different ways now as well as in years past so 
as you kind of look to your right and your left at your at your colleagues and other leaders, like what do you feel it's going to take to continue to yeah to double down together, to grow together, to 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 keep this brand as meaningful as it has been and growing? Um, has there been a shift in yeah like hey look we're still in this together let's change our our strategy or our approach or what's kind of been that the sentiment amongst the ELT now heading into a really new and and crazy 2023 yeah steve deserves a lot of credit for for you know i think bringing us all together and it's the way he approaches his work it's the way he approaches development of the culture it's very collaborative high communication high transparency and you know, actually going back to, again to the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things we stood up were these response meetings. Um, you know, at the very beginning, we were meeting three days, three times a day, seven days a week, and then we kind of, with time, whittled it down. We still meet, you know, every morning now during the week at eight a.m. to kick off the day, and we go around the room, and everyone provides their update on uh, what it is we're seeing, starting with business, but um, you know, other updates that are relevant as well. So I'd say that has kept us really well aligned. We're extremely tight. The focus around transparency that Steve brought in as a, a true component of the, the culture has been really empowering to all of us. And it's something that I wanted to make sure that we bring through from a marketing standpoint. We don't want to be making decisions in a black box or in a silo without the context for the other executive team leaders. And and so we're regularly bringing forward. You know, here's what we're seeing. Here's why we're recommending this particular decision. You know why we're going to invest here or invest there. What we're going to go to market with in terms of our brand strategy, et cetera. And um, you know, I think that I see that coming through from the other leaders as well. And so that I hope I think is another key thing that will position us just for whatever comes down the road. I you know back to your point around. The excitement of the CMO role, I you know, I absolutely love it, um, and the variety of what uh, I get to see on a daily basis is, um, you know, keeps me really motivated. You know, I'd say across the executive team, it, it kind of depends on the day. You know, certainly our head of supply chain had a pretty interesting 2021, yeah, um, and bet, then coming I bouncing bet. out in 2022, and so we all have things that uh, pop up, and it's always fun to go into our um, response meetings at the beginning of the day to see see what folks are working on. So you guys said you huddle the the ELT will huddle every day at eight a.m. Yes, yeah. Why is that for an hour? It's just thirty, 30 minutes? minutes, but it's a very efficient, that's powerful. Um, that's really powerful. efficient use of time, and I think we come out of there really well aligned. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I love. I, I've been a part of organizations where we've done that and not done that, and I'm just such a fan of that daily that daily touch point. Um, it doesn't have to be long, but it can be very meaningful and can contribute in big ways. So it's inspiring and encouraging to hear that a, a brand like LL Bean is doing that, like X's and O's. Like I love that. Um, you know, one thing LL Bean is known for is its focus on community and responsibility. I mean, I want to mention a few things that this Epic brand does, and I know there's more on deck, but you know, things from 2021 I found interesting. Employees spent over 7,000 hours outside for paid outdoor experience days. What is that about? That's a benefit that's been around for 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 a long time now, and is a, is an awesome benefit. And essentially, if you want to take a day to spend outside with a friend or a colleague, then you have access to a certain number of days during the year, and uh, in addition to your PTO. That's amazing. Um, I also saw that LLB launched this professional development program focused on inclusive leadership and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Super important. We hear a lot about it in the last year for sure. Um, that you know, there's been this resources now for veterans and LGBTQA 
plus um I mean, so this is also a brand that's like putting its money where its mouth is for diversity, equity, inclusion. So important. And you've been there, you know, again, almost 20 years to witness that evolution. What's that been like as a leader, seeing this investment in diversity and inclusive yeah, inclusion? Yeah, it's it's been, you know, really great to see it come to life and especially in the past few years. And I think like a lot of other companies, it's an area that we've been leaning into. I think it's always been a part of who we are. One of the things that's been central to our company is our stakeholder philosophy. And um, it's one of the things that definitely attracts me to it. And, you know, right up there, you know, we've got our customers and we have our employees as two of, two of the key components of those stakeholders, in addition to our vendors, uh, in addition to the actual shareholders, um, the community, and also the natural environment. So thinking, keeping our employees, um, front and center in terms of how the decisions we make and how we show up as a company and uh, is incredibly important to us. And so a, a really important place for us to be leaning into has been around DEI. It's super important. Um, thinking about kind of last two two questions here. One is just, you know, what what does 2023 look like for LL Bean and and what does it look like for you? Like professionally, personally, like what does the year look like for you and then also for the brand? For me, uh, well, actually, I'm going to start with the brand and the company first because I feel like okay. things usually start there. But um, as I said, we're 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 excited to jump into the year, and I think uh, every year is different. Like we, you know, you don't, you, it's it's hard to predict. I think, especially in this day, in terms of what it's going to be about. But you know, we are focused on a few key strategic initiatives, um, really around kind of driving driving growth in the business and. So some of those things are the, the amp continued amplification of our brand. We're also really focused on exploring new channels like wholesale, as I mentioned, also investing in our uh, digitally driven uh, areas and making sure that we're investing much, uh, enough resources there and continuing to push the needle around uh, our digital investments. And, you know, in terms of how that translates also to my group, you know, we're kind of the three key pillars we focus on is how do we drive profitable growth for the company? How do we really amplify the brand through all the different ways that we can do it? And then how do we also deliver on great customer experiences? And so a lot of our initiatives roll up to those three pillars. Um, and in terms of, for me, you know, it's about making sure we're being really clear around our priorities around those three pillars, how they connect into our broader strategic vision for the company and making sure that, uh, you know, we're continuing to be agile and, and nimble to, to what comes our way because it is unpredictable. Okay. I love it. Awesome. Let's get into some kind of fun lightning round questions and then we can wrap. Are you ready for some, some good ones? Yeah. I'll give it a shot. Okay. Let's do it. So these are, you know, lightning round designed to just kind of answer as quick as you can and we'll run through a handful of them. Um, so first question is, what is the funniest thing that you've ever witnessed during a Zoom meeting? There are some pets that um, <laughs> live within the, the homes of some of our coworkers that are just hilarious and um, and are, and always want to be front and center on the on the camera. So it's got to be. I can't think of a specific example, but it's it's definitely pet related. Pet related. Um, what is your least favorite either business buzzword or just marketing buzzword? Um, there are a lot. Um, <laughs> I, you know, one, and it's gone away a little bit, luckily, but big data is always one that kind of got me. <laughs> okay. It's, it's just, data. you know, it's data and it's data's existed <laughs> for a long time and maybe it's getting That's bigger, great. but uh, it was an, an amazing marketing term for the 
for the data that's industry. Great. No one's ever no one's ever said that as an answer. So that's a, that's a classic. I love that. Um, what? Let's see. Um, what is the what's the first thing you thought about this morning? Probably trying to remember which of which of my kids had early morning hockey practice before school. Um, I have a daughter and a son. They both play high school hockey. Unfortunately, they practice very, very early. So when I wake up, I'm mm. trying to remember who I'm taking to the rink. If, uh, if you could use marketing to, to send a message to the whole world, what would that, what would that be? Mm, that's a big, uh, big ask. I mean, I think just you know, be kind, be fair, be honest. I think if you can connect into those three things, that the world would be, the world would be a better place. I see it. Be kind, be fair, be honest. Nick Wilco. That's perfect. <laughs> black, black billboard, make it global. Yeah. Um, what is, uh, what's one popular like thing or activity that you, you wish you enjoyed more? I wish I had the patience and energy to get into some of the, um, kind of binge worthy shows. You know, there's some that I've followed, but you know, but something like Breaking Bad or uh, Game of Thrones, like I, they sound great. I just can't, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I share that with you too. I, I'm right there with you. Um, what would the title of your unauthorized biography be? Work in progress. I think I've got, still got a ways to go. And, and uh, if we wrote it today, it'd hopefully be different than what it might be uh, at the end of my career. Ah, okay. Uh, what is, uh, what's one piece of business advice or, or the best business advice you've ever received? Uh, I think just never be complacent. You know, it's really easy to, when things are going okay to sit back and, and, uh, and glide and just never do that. So last, last question, kind of twofold. One would be like, what's your message for other marketing leaders, kind of your peers, you know, kind of across the Fortune 500 and beyond other folks that represent marketing leadership in other industries and categories What's your message to, to those folks? And then secondly, a message to folks that are kind of up and coming and want to be you one day and want to be a marketing leader one day. What would you share with those folks kind of final final thoughts for where we're at and where we're headed? I think the people upcoming in their career, you know, learn as much as you possibly can. You know, the thing I benefited from in, in uh, my career here is, is the opportunity to do so many different roles across marketing. And I definitely wouldn't be in the seat I am today if I hadn't been given those opportunities. And and with that, have you know, have patience and recognize that each each step, even if it doesn't feel like a step up, you know, can be used as a as a way of of learning, learning new things. So those are for the folks who are up and coming. You know, I think find the things that are going to allow you to be be consistent and authentic in how you're bringing your brand to life. Because I think you know, it's very easy for the consumer to to know when it's not real. And um, so oftentimes for us, that's connecting again into our purpose and, and really the focus on getting people outside, but you know, staying true to who we are as a brand and a company. I love it. Nick Wilkoff, Chief Marketing Officer, LL Bean. Thank you so much for being on Marketing Trends. This was exceptional. I hope you do more interviews in the future, uh, but congratulations and best of luck in 2023. Oh, thanks, Jeremy. I've really enjoyed this. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, 
and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.